0: Uh, how are you today, sir? Things could be worse, but, you know, Things could on. be worse, bam, bam, bam. Remember that Barney Bentall song from the 90s? Uh, no. Ah, oh, geez, I guess that was before your time, eh?
1: <laughs> this is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter 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 uh my name is rob Minot. joining me today the miss the lovely the The mr the lovely (laughs) the lovely (laughs) mr ryan flurry howdy um uh, well we're not we don't have i don't know what to talk about now we don't have steve here to do the small talk
2: that's right so no small talk this week
0: no small talk all big talk this week uh, okay, well, you know what? Let's talk. Let's t- talk a little bit about the elephant in the room, mm. which is only an elephant in our room. When people in the audience have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, let's talk a little bit about you, sir, and you for all your for all your giant fans out there <laughs> uh, who heard. we're probably gonna we're gonna, probably gonna lose a lot of listeners because uh, team Team Flurry is uh, going on hiatus. You might actually gain some listeners.
2: <laughs> the words
0: no. get read. I am taking
2: a three-month hiatus from the podcast. Uh, I've just had some issues I need to deal with for a little while to see if it has any effect on said issues. So I'm just, I'm still going to be, you know, monitoring email, but I won't be partaking in the show interviews and topics going
0: forward. That's right. That's right. Uh, so in his stead, uh, Mr. Rick Chant is going to step in and, and help out with some of the hosting um, duties.
2: I will be listening every week, though. So oh, quality no, control still has to no, stay on.
0: No pressure. <laughs> no pressure.
2: Right. No, you guys will be fine. No, nah, will be fine. You're we've right. talked about, um, you know, changing up the show a little bit as well going forward. And, so this will give you know you guys a chance to try a few things out as well while i'm away and that's right i don't know who i'm gonna argue with now. (laughs) (laughs) that's right there's nobody to debate with no
0: it's gonna be boring (laughs) thanks a lot uh no it's uh yeah it'll be good and uh yeah maybe what so when's our anniversary show May, so or is it, May sometime. What is this? What is March, 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 April. April see, there show. you go. So maybe even right around the just after the anniversary show, maybe that'll be your triumphant return.
2: Yeah. You know, we'll have to wait and see how March and April go. And if mm-hmm. I get through April, okay, then, you know, I will come back for the anniversary show.
0: Yeah.
2: But we'll have to wait and see.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Yes.
2: Everything's fine, people. I'm not dying. I'm just stepping away from the podcast for a couple months.
0: And it's not a sex thing. <laughs> this wiener works just fine. <laughs> uh, it's not coronavirus. Nope. It's all good. Yeah. All good. No, hey,
2: I, keep wait, I keep waiting to see if they're going to cancel
0: CSUN. Yeah that's, what, yeah, that's what I'm wondering, too. Like, I, I checked the CSUN website uh, just the other day. And, yeah, we you follow know, them on Twitter as well. Yeah, and they seem to still be be going for it, but I don't know. I mean, like, everything is changing day to day. Well, Facebook has canceled their conference. Microsoft has canceled theirs. Yeah.
2: Double you Apple has canceled or postponed one of theirs. There's no handshake policies going on at a lot of different conferences.
0: Yeah, and the West Coast seems to be kind of turning into a bit of a hot spot. I mean, certainly Washington State has... Mm-hmm. Uh, is, uh, is a bit of a problem right now and I know California had some issues too so yeah I guess it's just something that we'll have to sort of um, uh, monitor but yeah we'll see if Steve I mean, I don't I kind of don't want Steve to go down there because I know how Steve gets Steve is like a virus magnet well it's gonna be interesting because there was
2: something on Twitter I saw this morning that there were some people that were canceling attending
0: csun so yeah that doesn't surprise me uh,
2: suppliers may be down as well so.
0: Yeah, it, may, it might turn out that, that you know, it's just not worth it worth it yeah. to go. Well, they've only got this week to figure it out, because season's next week. So. Yeah. Is it later in the week, or is it the beginning I mean, of the week? I think week? it runs all week. Is it? Mm-hmm. Interesting. the end of the week. I want to go wash my hands. <laughs> I haven't even left the apartment now. I'm getting all skeeved <laughs> talking about it. i got to stop watching the news. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit freaky. Um, hey, Ryan, on a brighter topic, what are we doing today?
2: Today, we are talking with Jessica Sanders and Christine
0: Sket from BrailleWorks. Ah, excellent. Yeah, now this is that blog you came across
2: um, a yeah, while ago, a,
0: right? Yeah, they were talking about the
2: ADA and I guess the, the title of the blog was, why does the ADA not contain any vocabulary about the internet or, or something along those lines? And so I thought it'd be an interesting read, took a read through it and thought, let's get these guys on the show because we ourselves don't know much about the ADA and I'm sure there's others who would find it interesting as well.
0: Yep. Yep, exactly. We've been wanting to get somebody on actually for a while to talk a little bit about the ADA because, you know, we only, we, we only have our perspective from up here. So uh, it'll yep. be actually good to talk to somebody who's down there fighting a the good fight. Uh any other housekeeping matters to attend to. Oh, you know what? We should say that uh we've got a few entries into our great giant um hockey, hockey jersey, jersey contest right. where all you have right. to do is email us and say I want that hockey jersey. Yep. Uh so we're going to we're going to we're going to Chance hockey jersey. That's right, Rick. Yeah. Chance hockey. He hasn't worn it. No. Nope. Let's just say that like it's not used. <laughs> um so so that's fine it's clean it's brand new uh we just got doubles for some reason so uh, anybody who wants an at banter hockey jersey with the word chant and number four on the back of it email us say tell us that you want it cowbell at atbanter.com uh and uh, you could be entered into being able to receive it nice. <laughs> This is Rob Minot, co-host for the world-famous assistive technology podcast, AT Banter. And I want to break in here on the show in order to tell you about a pretty amazing product that our parent company, Canadian Assistive Technology, has started to carry. It's called the Canute 360, and it's the world's first multi-line digital braille ebook reader. Now, the Canute 360 was developed by and with the blindness community, which makes it unique and it makes reading digital braille ebooks affordable, enjoyable, and practical. You see, the Canute 360 has, as you may have guessed, 360 cells, which is basically nine lines of 40 characters of braille. This gives the Canute 360 a distinct advantage when it comes to reading braille because of this multi-line capability. Now, the Canute 360 supports all six dot braille codes and is ideal not only for books, but for math, charts, tables and even music and this makes it the perfect choice for the student in your household. And there's even more good news with its proprietary technology the Canute 360 is less expensive than most other single-line 40 cell braille displays on the market at only $3,355. For more information on the Canute 360 or to order yours today, just head on over to the Canadian Assistive Technology website at www.canastech.com. That's www.canastech.com. Or you can call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. That's 1-844-795-8324. And now... Back to the show. Joining us now
2: are Jessica Sanders and Christine Sket. Hi.
3: BroWorks is on the call. We have Jessica and Christine here.
0: Well, perfect. Well, listen, guys, uh, thanks so much for taking some time out of the day uh, to talk to us a little bit about uh, the ADA.
3: Yeah, no problem. We're happy to do it.
0: Well, why don't we just start off with uh, just introducing yourselves and uh, give us a little bit of uh, background about about you and what you guys do.
3: Yeah, uh, so I'm Jessica. I'm in the marketing department here at BrailleWorks, um, writing blogs and monitoring social media and all that good stuff. Um, and I've been with the company for seven years.
1: Hi, I'm Christine, and I am... The subject matter expert on ADA and uh, some 508, and I um, went to school originally for um, occupational therapy in that um, in that area, and I really liked the advocacy side. Both of my parents are blind, so I know a lot about <laughs> growing up with blind parents. I don't know about being blind, but I know um, you know I've lived with. My parents both being blind, so I learned about the advocacy needs there. Um, I learned, you know, I know back when we did not have the ADA, and their rights weren't protected, even just going to look at houses. You know, they could be refused to view a home. Uh, So there were, you know, so I I really got to watch this all transpire. I also was on the Governor's Council in 1990. in Ohio under Governor Voinovich and I was an assistant but I was able to see how they really shaped the laws and the talk of where it was going into to where it is now.
0: Right. I mean, and that's that's actually what sort of caught our eye um, to, to have you guys on the show was was the, the article that, um, that was on the BrailleWorks blog um, specifically about the, the ADA and web accessibility and some of the language in it um, you know, being being up here in Canada, I mean, obviously we don't we don't have ex- necessarily experience with the ADA, um, but we have our own sort of brand new federal uh, accessibility legislation that's just come into play recently. Surprisingly, it's you know 2020, and we're just getting that. Um, but so maybe just for people who maybe aren't really familiar with. Uh, the ADA or who are listeners who are up here in Canada that aren't really familiar with it, can you just give us a, a, like a brief overview of of the ADA and, and the kind of scope that it covers?
1: So it's the American with Disabilities Act, and it provides, it mandates that you have um, accessibility, equal access, so it's a civil rights law, to goods, services, and building, so there's a structural component that you'll be able to access, but then there's also a communication side that has often been ignored, and that, um, so the communication, that there's effective communication for people who have communication, a communication disability. So if you're hearing impaired, then you know you would need sign language, someone to sign in, in, you know, the language that you speak, um and using, you know, the proper, if it's American Sign Language, you know, same thing with if you're visually impaired and you read large print, you cannot read Braille. They would have to provide large print. Likewise, if you can't see at all, if they gave you large print, that would be a violation. So it's a communication and a barrier law, and it covers all people with disabilities. And the scope, (laughs) the (laughs) scope is based, it's very political. So it's based on who is in office and what the because you know everything's appointed, and um, so it's based on on what you're willing to go after. Now, with um, with structural barriers, you can't open a business if there's a structural barrier. You know, you have to have a certain height for your water fountain, certain height for your doors, door width. But with your communication. You're already up and running. So it really takes a complaint. And once a complaint is filed, then it's investigated. And so that would be the scope of the communication side. So the barriers, the structural barrier is pretty much everyone is in compliance on that.
0: Right. So with with the ADA, um, in your opinion, it, it do you think that that the the because it was it was drafted in 1990? Uh, is that right?
1: 1990 is when it was signed into law.
0: Yes. Okay, right. So it's I mean it's old, um, and yes. yeah, obviously obviously a lot has changed since then. Um, do you feel like the 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 current language um, is is um, do you feel like the current language really needs to be changed to sort of reflect all these changes? Or do you think that they were smart enough to sort of future proof, um, that language so that it, it, that it applies to, you know, current technology?
1: When you look at the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, it most certainly is, um, inclusive because communication is communication, equal access is equal access, which, um, has now been played out in in the court system. Right. Um, and now we have uh, case law on rulings, so there's a, been a precedent set that the ADA language is very, um, it's future-proofed. Where we're seeing that it's not is in the 508, which is on the government side. So 508 accommodations fall under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act it's 1973 Rehabilitation Act, and um, that, that deals with, it's funny because the ADA covers America and it covers not-for-profit and for-profit and state government, but it does not cover the federal government. That falls under a totally different category, and that one is not, that one needs to be rewritten, and it has been as Section 508, and now it's a Section 508 refresh, because that was a little bit more. Um, it was more precise.
0: I see.
3: The, the nice thing about the ADA is that the the verbiage is very broad, so it is all inclusive. And they did. I don't know that I want to necessarily say that it's future proofed because we don't know what the future is going to bring, but they did think ahead to to write it broadly so it does include you know, like Christine said, uh, equal access, whether, you know, that's communication or physical barriers. If you're offering it to people without disabilities, you have to also offer it to people with disabilities. And that's what the ADA says.
1: And in a way that they can access it.
2: No, I was just going to say maybe it's my own ignorance being a Canadian, but
0: is... Probably.
2: Probably, <laughs> but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Um, because the ADA has been around for a while, there's still a lot of improvements that can be made. And do you think there's still a lot of holes because companies just don't know the ADA exists or what it contains, or they just don't care?
1: I think that the holes are in the scope. I think the holes are not in the actual way that it's written, but I think that the holes are in the, the way that, um, that compliance is, regulated. So does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The way that, so if I know that I can get away with something and then when I get caught, I'm going to get a slap on the wrist and now I have to become compliant. I think that that's, and I'm not saying me, but I I think that that's, it's like a roll of the dice. It's an added expense Right. and businesses are always looking at the bottom line. I think that it's been a long time in And we have, you know, the National Federation for the Blind, the American Council for the Blind. Um, There's enough advocacy groups that have said no more, you know, like we're done. And a lot of them are starting to work together now. So I think we're starting to see that as well. And as businesses learn, you know, they're either going to learn by being sued Mm -hmm. or um, there is a there is. Um, it's called structured negotiation, and it's when a business, like if a, a client says, hey, I was, I was not able to get access, but I don't want to sue you. I'd like to see you work through this, and then there's a structured negotiation that takes place, and Lainey Feingold is an attorney in California, and she has been specializing in this for well over 20 years, and um, it's, she's trying to change the way that things are done, and to get businesses to be more aware. and If you um, look into her, um, it, it's just amazing what she's done. And if you see, if you look at the court's rulings and what the judge is handing down, it's basically what Lainey Feingold negotiates. So it's pretty interesting um, to see how that has transpired.
2: Well, I think, too, I-, I think very,
1: very simply put, um, we, we could liken it to
3: so many things like like driving you know there's a posted speed limit it is the law to follow that speed limit that's very clearly written but there are people that will speed because maybe they won't get caught or maybe if they're caught they can talk the officer out of the ticket it's just you know the language is very very clear and very plain but not everybody's gonna follow it
2: right but at the same time you know I saw an article I think from Forbes the other day and, and this isn't new, you know, there's been, you know, thousands of cases still in the courts. You know, what what is it going to take for companies to actually do an about-face and, and see that it, it's the right thing to do, to make these accommodations and, and have inclusivity?
1: That's, that's a million-dollar question. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I like think what? that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you see it though in a lot of industries, whether it's with ADA uh, compliance or it's, you know federal compliance, you see we we see businesses that are willing to cut corners to increase their their profit margins, and it's not until they're caught that they, you know, start singing the blues. That I didn't know.
0: Yeah. Right. So it's it's also really interesting when you compare the, the physical space with the digital space because there they seem to have really evolved differently I mean it seems like and, and correct me if I'm wrong but it, it seems like in general we're in pretty good shape in terms of the physical spaces. people are complying builders are complying it they' you know it's all baked into the the building codes so we seem to be okay there but you know yet here it is 2020 and you know, we've, had, we've had the internet for God knows how many years now, um, and we're still fighting for, for real web accessibility with a lot of these companies. Why do you think that those two spaces sort of evolved so differently, and why do you think that there's kind of pushback or, or sort of uh, apathy when it comes to accessibility on the web?
1: I was, uh, I was speaking with Jessica earlier about you can have a law in the way it's written, and you can have four different attorneys, four different people um, define it their own way. Right. And that's, that's what people are doing. So they're saying, well, you can, you know, not all people purchase online. You can call in, but if that call-in line isn't 24 hours,
3: right.
1: and you can access the Internet 24 hours, then that's not equal access. And that's basically what the courts have been ruling um, The other thing that the courts will look at is not just your your digital compliance but are you compliant in other areas of communication do you have a braille provider hmm. do you have someone you know how do you you know do you have an accessibility um, clause, you know, like where if somebody needs accessibility for anything, where do they go? Who do they go to? Is there um, a coordinator? And I think that when they dig deeper, they see that not only are these companies not compliant on digital, but they're also not compliant with the communication um, barriers, which there's the effective communication guide, and it's basically a white paper that was written to a, to a company, the ADA. And perhaps they need to write um, standards like that for the digital platform, but there's so much, and so much is evolving, that they would forever be writing, you know.
3: And also, when you go back to 1990, um, since then, the advancements in architecture aren't as evolved as they are in technology, I mean, architecture is. I mean, they've they've come up with new ways of doing things, but right. you know, a building is still a building, a door is still a door, a window is still a window. Um, but technology has advanced so much. In 1990, the internet didn't exist in the way that we know it. Right. It didn't go public until 1991. So when it was signed into law, they weren't thinking about the internet. That was science fiction. So you know, the building codes and everything were were more easily. Uh, Followed, I guess, sure. from the get-go, than the evolving technology.
1: When you had your braille signage, that's pretty much always been there. Braille on your ATMs, you know, those, you you get those things. <laughs> you would you would see that, but um, that's about where it ended.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess that that is absolutely the case. I mean part of the problem now i guess is that the technology moves at such a such a fast rate that um it's it's almost hard to keep up uh accessibility wise i mean they'll come up with it with a with a new app or a new service without really thinking about accessibility at the design stage and that's probably this is probably the core of the problem is that You know when when a new technology or a new app or whatever is being developed they don't think of accessibility they just release it and then accessibility has to be something that we have to sort of catch up on and and sort of add on to that
1: yes there's um, Microsoft they do an excellent job of working accessibility into things um, as do some other I mean Sony's starting you know so they are learning that it's easier to build it in at the bottom, you know, at the base when you start, than to try to add it back in. Um, IBM, same, you know, they're, they've, they're, they're learning that. Um, but where we're seeing it is in attachments, PDFs. Adobe does not, so this is an interesting bit. Third party providers are not responsible for your accessibility. So if you have a website, and you use a PDF document that is not accessible to a screen reader, as I'm sure that you know right. that if you use one that you've you've learned, um, that is not Adobe's responsibility. It is the responsibility of the person who is putting that product out to remediate that document, and that's where I think that people they say, "Oh, well, I have an accessible website." Yes, you probably do, but it's all the other things that are in your website they just don't you know it's not just reading your page it's clicking on a link it's where does that link take you um and then your attachments as well
0: part of the what we talk about all the time on the podcast is sort of the the business case for accessibility Um, you know it seems to be a no-brainer for us that the more accessible that you make your services your website whatever the more people you're actually going to get involved in your website or buying your service or buying your product, um, so there's a real strong business case for accessibility. So that being the case, why do you think there are still there's still this this corporate pushback against accessibility? Why are they fighting, like choosing to say fight um, making their website accessible instead of just embracing that and 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 you know embracing the business case for it? Um, and leaning into it rather than spending all this money in the courts?
3: That is a great question, and I don't know that there's a very easy answer to that. Um, just speculating, I would imagine it's money. Sure. Because it costs a lot more to make a, an, 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 sorry, an existing website compliant than it is to make it accessible from the beginning. Right. Um, but there's. A-
1: Oh. Yeah, no. Go ahead. Well, they're also looking at. They want to be right. You know, nobody wants to be wrong in a civil rights issue, even if you're going about it in. A, you know, they're they're taking it out of the, out of the, civil rights sector. Before we've just seen a complete flip flip flop. Flip-flop, because what would happen is the Department of Justice would go after and find these businesses, and then the person would step in with an attorney and sue. Now we're seeing a complete reversal where. The Department of Justice isn't doing as much now. These uh, private citizens are suing, and then the Department of Justice will step in and say, "Oh, you did something wrong." You know, here's so so. It's kind of like you. So so now they want to clear their name almost. You know, nobody wants to be known as the company that denied access. Right. You know that denied equal access, and especially in this. Um, you know where we are now in the political society the politically correctness nobody wants to be that company i mean uber when they um, when they denied a, a person with a guide dog from getting in their their uber i mean the the backlash was huge and now uber's we see them at the accessibility conferences, you know, they're doing all, all kinds of training and they are making it right because it was an afterthought. I don't think anybody ever said, don't let a dog in your car at all. You know, I think it was, um, you You know, you're, the company can have good intentions, but if the person who's actually the servicing, servicing that, you know, they might they might not. And, you know, so when they said you can't, Get in the car with a dog, you know. They learned real quickly that you have to now educate your your contractors on the laws, and I think that's the biggest part. Um, I've met with with different um, banks who they are accessible and they have accessibility, but one person that didn't know and that wasn't didn't remember their training has said, "No, we don't offer that," and they get dinged. Right. So, you know, I think it's training your people and really putting, you know, you look at equality and you really have to put all people, you know, it, it has to be equal. And I think that if businesses started with equality serving all, you know, then they would, they would not leave anyone behind, but they want to be right. And so I think that's why they'll fight it in court to clear their name.
0: So one of the concerns that, that we have behind our new um, Federal Accessibility Act is enforcement. How have you found the ADA is in that sense, in, in terms of enforcement?
1: From a government standpoint, yes. Yeah. Uh, states, there, I mean, people are being held accountable across the board. It took a little while. You know, it, it took, uh, I would say, probably within the last 10 years, and it took a lot of advocacy, um, you know, it, it took politicians to stand up and say, this isn't right, or this is the way that we want to see, this is what we want it to look like. So I think that the law itself isn't what, you know, the law is only as good as, as, as it's supported.
0: Right.
1: You know, there's a lot of antiquated laws, even, you know, or, or irrelevant laws that come out and... If it's, oh, who cares about that, you know? So I think it's getting, lobbying those, you know, the decision makers and getting them to see that, you know, this has value. So, you know, it's it's definitely getting the people behind you that make, that have the power.
0: The most recent high-profile case was this Domino's case. Now, Mm -hmm. um, that seemed to be a really weird case to me that, that Domino's would... Would sort of go to the wall and fight as hard as they did over this, rather than just, you know, make their make their app accessible. Um, but but of course, you know, in behind them, they had a lot of corporate corporate support. Um, so the feeling that I kind of got was that there was sort of some corporate interests back there that were sort of using Domino's as a bit of a test case to see just how that all played out in terms of accessibility. Does that, I don't know, does that corporate pushback frustrate you?
1: I think it's, well, I, I don't think it frustrates me. I mean, it frustrates me as a person, but as a business, you know, I think it should frustrate the people that, you know, the consumers, most of all, because especially, you know, the people in the disability community, because it's a large community. And I think that if a company doesn't value, you know, like if you're caught doing something wrong, then you make it right. But if a company is like, no way, I'm pushing back, and there's a bunch of people behind them that are willing to do that, I think that as consumers, you know, people have to start looking at who are we doing business with.
3: For me, it feels a lot like a toddler testing their limits, seeing how far they can go and what they can get away with, you know to mom and dad right or you know separate so i yeah it's
0: frustrating (laughs) but it also seems it really does seem to me it's it's counterproductive it doesn't even make business sense to me um you know you would think that if if had Domino's leaned into it but like yeah look you know we're gonna we're gonna go in we're gonna make our app accessible and let everybody know that and 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 you know just think of the influx of business that that they could have they could have had rather than seeming like dicks like to be honest not to not to be too blunt um because really that's that's sort of they i feel like they came out of that with a bit of a black eye
1: definitely and when dicks when dixie went through a very similar lawsuit just before Domino's, and you would have thought that dominoes saw what happened with win dixie the grocery store and no they still went after pushing forward um i did sit uh, last year, I was at CSUN in California, and I sat in um, with a a session where it was a, it was an att- a corporate attorney, and she, she was just perplexed at the whole domino thing and how they thought they could move it forward um, just based on, you know, that they previous rulings but then the ADA but they were really pushing on the language and this is something that a lot of until we saw a lawsuit that that had a ruling and that was that was the Win Dixie case. Now the dominoes went to a higher court, but in the Win Dixie case before they would the the businesses would say, Well we did not know because of this five oh eight on the federal side, well they were working on this refresh of what the standards will be and they're not done yet and then there was a title one and title three and or title two and title three and title two is government and title three is the public and they said they were working on this so we just didn't know well they threw title three out the door and they said that the ADA covers it so now these these companies that used to use the same thing that Domino's is doing they're being told no you know and I think that Domino's was just you know trying to push it like, hey, we're, we're going to fight this because no one's telling us what we have to have and how to do it. But then it's funny because everybody wants government off their backs, not giving them regulation. But then when they are sued, they're saying, well, there was no regulation for us to follow. <laughs> right. So it's, you, you get one or the other. And yep. I think that that's what the court said. You know, it's up to you to know what's accessible.
0: Yeah, and that's something that uh, I think that we are still figuring out here too, because and, and we've heard the, the the same things, the same frustrations here in the in the sense that, you know, when, when legislation you know uses terms like um, you know accessibility or website accessibility or digital accessibility, and there's no real standards there or there's no real explanation, um, it you know the businesses are using that sort of as an excuse to say well we we really don't know what that means so. Or they're using it as that flexibility to be like, oh well, you know, we all tagged our pictures, and that's sort of what all all we thought we needed to do. So, you know, in a sense, do you think that that sort of more clear language or or, or clearer standards would help would help in this situation?
1: It would help the businesses because they would then understand what exactly is expected of them. However, it goes back to they don't want regulation.
0: <laughs> right. So it's a
1: regulation.
0: Right. Poor businesses can't win. But I
1: think it would help them, you know, because here are the rules. This is what you must follow. But in the digital world, I mean, you're looking at kiosks and you know, the airlines and there's, it's not just, it's so funny to sit in on a, on a meeting and learn that the um, the FAA has jurisdiction over some things, or the um, FCC has jurisdiction over something. You know, it, it just depends where you're at. If you're in the sky, you know, who's, and if you have a, you know, you can use your credit card machine it's on some airlines in their, you know, like on their little screen. And that has to be compliant, but that's regulated by the FCC and the FAA and the ADA. It's just funny when they cross over. So I think that, um, that it probably would help businesses, but all that people with disabilities want is to be able to have the access. Right. In many of these cases, they do not receive a settlement because if they're suing on the federal level, there is, um, you're entitled to you know like what you lost so your legal fees but there's nothing in the way of damages then they have to look at a state by state and they have to sue in a lower court which some do but you know what are you going to prove is your damage you they just want accessibility and I think if you look at the settlements, a lot of times the plaintiffs aren't receiving any any big settlement at all you know they're getting maybe something for their time
0: but really they want accessibility. Right, and I mean, that is something that, that we've heard over the past few years, you know, and I think that there has been efforts to sort of paint a lot of these lawsuits with this brush of, oh, well, you know, there's a there's a big run of, of, of um, accessibility lawsuits where, you know, people are just sort of after the gravy train and everybody's just suing everybody just to, to try to get, uh, you know, to try to get a settlement. Um, so I think it's important for that distinction to be noted that that a lot of times that there there is no no real settlement and nobody's getting rich off any of these lawsuits. It's it's really just literally um, people trying to to make some of these companies take accessibility a little bit more seriously going forward.
1: Oh yes, once the Department of Justice stopped going after, you know, like when a complaint's made. Then the Department of Justice was to go after and, you know, do the investigation and come back with a ruling, which was much far less than what we're seeing in these lawsuits. Um, but when they lost, when people lost that ability, I think the advocacy agency stepped in, and most of those are people who have disabilities, and then they all joined together and said, listen, it is low-hanging fruit. but..." they're not getting rich off of it. Now the attorneys, they're probably making something off of it on both sure, sides, sure. but as far as the person who's been denied, you know, access, I think, you know, that's that's where um you know, they just had to take matters into their own hands. And now right. with precedent, they've won.
2: It's crazy to think about how daunting the task is you know, going forward on making everything accessible. You know, I'm sitting here, excuse me, I'm sitting here in my my guitar dungeon studio. Look, you know, and and I'm totally blind myself, but, you know, I've got a a TV on the wall that I can't access the menus on. I've got a home theater receiver I can't access the on-screen menus through. You know, sitting in a taxi cab, I can't access the debit card machine um, because of the screen. There's no audio output. It's got to be such a daunting, daunting challenge for these advocacy groups. Who do you go after? How do you go after them? How do you educate? It, it, we need a we need a, a large universal task force to take on something
1: like this. Well, and in most cases, if you um, if you speak with if you speak with the plaintiffs, they have reached out numerous times by letters. They've reached out with advocacy groups to try to get the businesses first to understand the need to be compliant. And then, um, and and that's in the structured negotiation model as well. There's a letter that goes out, you know, you're not compliant. We'd like to work with you and educate you. And this is what we'd like to see, um, you know, to, to bring about compliance. So they don't just jump to sue. They do try to work with organizations first, and it's only when they've shut the door and, you know, turned a blind eye to them, you know, that that they're, you know, then, okay, we're coming after you, Mm -hmm. and and they're winning, you know, so I think that that, you know, unfortunately, um, enough people had to be discriminated against for people to finally stand up and fight, and maybe it's as, Adults are aging, you know, their eyesight's not as good or they're starting to see their own, you know, I'm, I'm not walking as well as I used to. And we have a large baby boomer population. So mm-hmm. maybe now, you know, there's with, with our judges, maybe now there's a um, more sympathy, right. you know, to not just empathy over it. You know, you can actually say, you know, hey, this could be me. You <laughs> know, I might need this service. Um and I think then they look at the attitude.
3: We're seeing a lot of advocacy groups. Sorry, I can talk today. <laughs> advocacy groups working together. So hopefully they'll be able to put their heads together and come up with ways to tackle all of the various areas of life that aren't currently accessible because it is a daunting task to just one person. Um, but if, if we can all come together and, and work on it, I think it'd be much easier to, to break down and, and digest and, and educate.
0: See, absolutely. I like that attitude. I'm the optimist of the show, so I always I always like it. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let me let me ask you guys this one one sort of final question before we, we wrap up, but what's your what's your feeling about the current climate? Are we is, are things getting better or are we just kind of spinning our wheels at the moment?
1: I think that things are getting I think that we're things are improving greatly. I think that um it's not just awareness of the businesses, but I think that consumers have a lot of social awareness. And I think that people want to feel good about their purchases. I think that people want to feel like they're making a difference in this world even if it's not on a global scale, you know, they can make a decision that oh you know, this, this pizza company went and fought a bunch of people who had a disability, where this pizza company is hiring people with disabilities. And I think that for businesses, they really need to start looking at that. I know they are. I mean, if you look at Oshkosh, the the clothing company for kids, they have, um, they have one of their models has Down syndrome. And I think that they're starting to really embrace this inclusion. And, you know, I, and I know that as you know, a consumer, I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, you know, so when I go shopping the next time to buy a, a child's gift of clothing, you better believe I'm going to look at that label yep. over, you know, another label. Even if the other company didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to look at the company that is highlighting and being a champion for people with disabilities.
3: Yeah. And to that point with social media, as big as it is, more people have a voice in this fight and uh, more people are paying attention. So they're, they're helping to improve the whole situation.
0: Social okay. media working for good instead of evil. I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. Sometimes it can do that. Right. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about BrailleWorks. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys do there at BrailleWorks?
3: Yeah, so um, we've been around for 26 years now. Um, we started with uh, a husband and wife team, actually, uh, Christine's parents, little well, dad and, and stepmom. And um, they were at a restaurant trying to read a Braille menu that was just garbled together and uh, decided that they could do better. And they did. And so now, you know, 26 years later, we're um, one of the largest accessibility companies in the United States. Um, we service the United States and Canada. Uh, we focus on Braille, large print, audio, um, five eight compliance, accessible PDFs, and WCAG, web content accessibility guidelines. Um, and we have over 200 employees. We have four buildings on campus, um, and we're just all about accessibility. I'm sure you have something to add, Christine.
1: <laughs> oh, I know you did a really good job. Uh, we're 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 here, and we um, we do all of our All of our work in-house, and so there's a security. We're we're a secure facility, and we take accessibility very serious. Um, Having one of the owners who's blind, that is, he's been blind since he was born. Um, So that is huge in this industry because he knows what he likes to read and what he doesn't like to read, and what it's not just about being accessible. It's also about the quality and how user-friendly is your document whether it's in Braille large print or he can't read large print but he does uh, do the PDF in audio so that's-
3: yeah we, we go the extra mile to make sure that the end user has a good experience with the documents they receive
0: uh, and where can people go online to sort of find you guys and, and find out more about you and contact you
3: Yeah, um, our website is BrailleWorks, uh, you know, Braille, B R A I L L E W O R K S, like in Sam, dot com. Um, We're also on uh, various social media channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, thanks again, guys, and uh, best of luck. Keep fighting the good fight, and uh, we'll keep you posted on how our, our federal accessibility legislation goes. Yes, thank okay, you. Awesome, guys. <laughs> okay, guys, take care.
2: Uh, you know, it, what boggles my mind is, is where does a, a company even start? You know, like if you're looking at opening a restaurant and it's already an existing space, do you even know about the ADA and what the law actually requires you to do? Because, you know, I... I'd be willing to bet a, a vast majority of people don't. They know what the city bylaws are, or that you know what what's required of them for, you know, health regulations and you know the city regulations and that type of thing. But they do they know what accessibility is required of them? Yeah, I'd be willing to bet a lot of them don't.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I think that that's part of the problem and maybe part of the problem is you know this whole conversation that we have about accessibility I mean we have to kind of keep it in perspective in the sense that you know it's top of my, it's been top of mind for us for years and years having working in an industry but for some of these companies um, they're not used to thinking about it
2: um, you, know, if you walk down the, you know if you walk down the street like even here let's say we had the ADA, you know, or even we have the Accessible Canada Act and it was as mature as the ADA. You know, you walk down the street to, you know, whatever Joe's Pizzeria and ask him if he's got a Braille menu. He says, no, what are you talking about? Sure. I, I don't need I don't need to provide a brown menu. Right. You know, it, I just it's such a huge task. How do you educate the globe <laughs> on accessibility?
0: Well, you know, in, in that sense, you know, you would think that that the digital space would actually make that easier you make definitely make it easier i mean you wouldn't need a braille menu if you had um an accessible menu online um you would think actually i don't know if that's necessarily the case but i mean at the very least it gives you it gives you more options to be to to bring your services and product into into that accessible accessible space but you know then again you know like we refer back to
2: you know blindness all of the time because that's kind of where our expertise is. But you think about the deaf, blind, you think about the physical access, the people who are nonverbal. You know, yeah, okay, this restaurant has a braille menu. That that's great if you have blind patrons. But what if you don't have large print signage? What if you don't have an accessible ATM machine? What if you don't have, you know, A B C D? Sure. That that list of accessibility accommodations just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding right. and so at some point we as consumers as well I think and I don't know send all hate mail to me but <laughs> I, I think we as consumers also have to be educated and knowledgeable enough on how to use the products we require to gain access to goods and services that we want access to. You know, if somebody's screaming that a restaurant doesn't have a braille menu or their braille menu is in grade two braille, but you maybe only know grade one braille, whose fault is that necessarily? You know, the restaurant has an accommodation for you, but because you can't read grade two braille, is that their problem or is that your problem? Like, we all have different skill sets, it's gotta be so difficult. How do you accommodate everybody?
0: Yeah, I think that I think at the end of the day, what we really need is more education because you're absolutely right. Like a restaurant, it should just be a standard that every restaurant, you know, when they print their menus, they go, okay, well, we have we have our our menus. So we're also going to like print off like we're also going to produce, say, even two or three Mm -hmm. or heck even just one. We're just going to print off one braille menu just to have on hand in case anyone needs it. And you know what? We'll even get a a large print menu um, printed as well. And that should just be a standard among every single restaurant. You should just be able to walk into a restaurant and be like, yeah, could I see your braille menu? And they'd be like, yep. Here you go. Um, You know, what's amazing is, you know, my
2: wife and I went out for brunch with her relatives on Sunday to a Milestones restaurant here. And they brought a braille menu. I didn't even have to ask for a braille menu. They brought me a braille menu. Yeah. You know, it was a given. And kudos to Milestones for doing that. Now, I don't know if that happens through all of the restaurants in that chain, but when we hear of stories like this, we need to applaud that and we need to scream it from the mountaintops. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because those are the particular type of standards that we just need to have built in, baked into every single business and, and every single product and service. You know, it, and it's a mindset that needs to be changed um, at, at a yeah. certain level. Like when it, when a business is first starting up, they need to be like, okay, well, this is great. We have we have you know the business plan and we have all the all the things that we need to to operate our business. Now we need to do an accessibility pass and everything to make sure that. You know, we have, you know, e.g., a Braille menu or e.g., like, whatever. Whatever happens, you know, we need to make sure that uh, we have some sort of screen reading software on our kiosk so that somebody can can use it. Um, yeah, and that's coming, you know.
2: But again, I think, you know, we see all the complaints of people who are not getting... You know accessible menus or accessible whatever's you know we we see all the bad news but you don't hear anybody applauding the companies agencies restaurants that are actually going that extra mile yeah we hear microsoft's you know doing a big push on accessibility and that's great google's working on it apple's done it for a long time but if you have an excellent experience as an end user with an organization, a company, agency, whatever. You need to share that. You need to expand on that and let people know about your experiences. The world doesn't have to be such a crappy place to live in. You know, let's let's change that mindset around and start applauding those who are going that extra mile.
0: Preach it, brother. (laughs) I I agree. I agree. I agree. So hard. You know,
2: the more we spread the good news, the more it can only help companies to see that it makes a good business case. Mm -hmm. That we that we are consumers, we have dollars to spend, and you know, we are a pretty well the blindness community. Anyways, a pretty tight-knit community. If somebody says, you know, oh, you got to check out you know this place. It was a great experience. They came and they they put the product in my hand. They let me feel it. You know. Whatever the experience was, I'm going to share that with other people, and I'm going to attend that that store or whatever it was, and, and experience that for myself. You know, like like they said on the on the on the interview. You, you share your share your experiences, good or bad, but especially the good, because we hear enough about the bad. Right. Man, look at you on fire today well like i said you know earlier it's it's such a, a daunting task and all we hear about is the litigation going on but we don't hear about we don't hear often enough about the, the the companies agencies that are actually building accessible products making their apps accessible and
0: yeah absolutely i mean i think and i really do feel like a lot of times i feel like 90% of the time it's not any sort of It's not out of malice. It's just really about a lack of education. I mean, there are just restaurants out there that hadn't even given it a thought to produce a Braille menu or, you know, they just they just haven't thought of it. And so, yeah, you're right. The more we hear about these companies that are doing it right and we applaud them and they get the credit for them, other, you know, other businesses are going to see that and they're going to follow suit. So education, education, education. That's right. Um. Well, anything else to say about that? I don't know. You've said a lot. You said it better than I said. Nope. That's it. I'm done. All right. Well, then uh, where can people find us? They can find us online
2: at atbanter.com.
0: They can also drop us a email, if they so desire, at cowbell at atbanter.com. Um, I don't know. What else are we going to talk? What else? Not it? No, wait, that's not it. Where where else can people find us? They can find us
2: on Facebook. They can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's correct. And LinkedIn, if they like. Yeah, they can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us anywhere. They can also find us at canastech.com.
0: Whoa! look at you with the plugs. Yeah. Good job. That's Canadian Assistive Technology, 1-844-795-8324, 8324 so one Two can play that game. <laughs> uh, all right, that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Big thanks to Jessica and Christine talking to us about the ADA. And uh, we are taking a week break, but we will see everybody in two weeks right here on ET Banter.
3: For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com Whoa, look at that. Master of oh. the One
0: Take.